Hi, it's Dr. Charles Benz with you on our next program at Healing Trends with Dr. Benz. And today's program is going to be called Vaccine Mania. Is it necessary? I have as my guest in studio today, John Barson from Total Health Magazine and Total Health TV. John has been a long-term friend and colleague of mine doing a lot of articles on natural medicine and preventing and reversing chronic disease. I know we both have a lot of ideas and input for you to think about around this whole vaccine issue. And we're not just talking about the COVID vaccine. We're going to talk about all vaccinations because that's what the, uh, the mania part of it is. Uh, there seems to be a, a pressing interest in certain medical communities to push as many vaccines at us as possible. So, John, what's your status on this vaccination mania that's going on? Do you think it's a good thing, or do you think it's a, going a bit too far already? Well, I, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, people's um, belief that a vaccine is sort of a cure-all, save-all procedure. That once once they get vaccinated, whew, I'm good. Like the like the magic pill, um, and and it's just it's just uh, so interesting to see how I, I don't want to use the word or term brainwashed, <laughs> um, but how they've been. Just trained to believe that if if it's a vaccine, it's a hundred percent safe. It's gonna work, and you don't have to worry about anything. Yeah, I think you're right. I I think that perception is out there that when you say the word, it kind of gives you a sense of security and a sense of uh, safety that everything's going to be okay. I think what we're finding out now is that's not turning out to be true, that they're now putting a proviso on it that uh, it'll just make your symptoms less severe and death less likely. Um, that to me really doesn't mean it's a vaccination, although it, it's administered the same as vaccinations are. But this is not a new issue. Um, I'm going to quote from a book called Natural Alternatives to Vaccination by Dr. Zoltan Rona. And Dr. Rona has been researching and discussing this whole topic for a long time. And so he's gathered a lot of research about vaccinations over the years, like since the, the 70s and the 80s. And so here's a report from the Ohio Department of um, Health reporting on uh, 2,720 children um, developed measles in 1989 despite the fact that a majority of them had been vaccinated. And the Center for uh, Disease Control and Prevention even reported that across the country there were similar cases where sometimes as high as 98% of the children had been vaccinated, and yet they were coming up with the same or higher numbers of people, of children getting measles, as those that uh, weren't vaccinated. And then there's another one that has to do with the United States and Britain. And 80% of the things that seem to have made a difference didn't have anything to do with vaccinations. 
they had to do with improving sanitation conditions and uh, overcrowding and poverty. And when you factor in all of those things, it looks like all of these illnesses that were more or less childhood illnesses like measles and mumps and chicken pox, um, they are all declining already. And then we just got the information that there could be vaccinations for these things. And somehow or other, the people didn't realize what had actually caused the reduction in those particular illnesses. And so they started to equate the prevention of those things with the vaccinations, even though there was no evidence to really support that. And, and I thought that that was kind of fascinating. And I thought, well, the history of this is just as important as what we're going through right now. It, it is. Uh, one thing that really disturbs me, however, is with the amount of technology that we have and capability that we have to collect information and assess information and study what's going on, that since 1986, when the government passed uh, the law absolving pharmaceutical companies, um, medical personnel from any lawsuits, from side effects from vaccinations, um, the government was also mandated to do studies on, on vaccines. And they created the VAERS database to track um, people's reactions to the vaccines. And uh, yet the government has never done a safety study as was proven in court uh, last year. I believe it was last year when the Children's Health Defense um, through freedom of uh, information um, and a lawsuit uh, finally got the government to admit that uh, they've never done a safety study on a vaccine. So where are the safety studies showing that they're safe, period? Well, you know, uh, they, this latest one, the COVID vaccinations, they, they were given emergency status, so they bypassed all those existing laws anyway. But now we have a new report from Scotland, uh, very interesting because they've got a, a vast majority of their population vaccinated, and yet somewhere around 85% of the new cases in late uh, December and early January were from triple vaccinated people. Now, this was not supposed to happen, and the death rates are higher in the vaccinated group than in the non-vaccinated group. And so this report from Scotland, from the, from the Public Health Scotland uh, Department, is devastating because this is what we were worried about. We were worried that even the promise of, of people not getting uh, severe symptoms or dying just isn't panning out in this particular uh, experience. So I, I've done some work in Scotland, and I know one of the reasons why this has happened, and I, I hope my Scottish friends don't, uh, don't take this too personally, but I, I remember them saying that vegetables were a joke to them. The only time they ate anything green was when something got moldy and, and it would turn green. That would be their greens for the week. And I thought, well, that may be a joke, but uh, it turns out that, that Scotland is not one of the healthiest eating populations in the, in the world. And so I think it's a combination of the fact that they, 
they thought they were healthy because they had all these vaccinations. So they went ahead and took their masks off and went into groups and did all the things that they shouldn't have been doing. And now it's turning out that that was having, having a devastating response. It also rains a lot in Scotland, and um, so their vitamin D levels are quite low. Yes, it's it's a higher it's a, a higher in the northern uh, hemisphere, and and so they don't have very high vitamin D levels, and and they don't go out outside very much, even when there is sunshine, and and so one of the things that I thought I would offer up is. I don't think we should, I mean, we don't force people to do these vaccinations. I mean, in the United States and Canada, this is all about the children and going to school. It's not really about the vaccinations. Any, any parent can say to their, to their children, we're going to educate you at home and you don't have to get one vaccination. So th that's the first myth that we have to kind of get out there is that there's a lot of people who educate their children at home that don't vaccinate at all. So it's the schools that require you to get the vaccinations. And in Canada, it's 17 different vaccinations. So, and now we've got the problem in, in the States where you can't travel uh, without your vaccination certificate, you can't go to work. And what I'm going to say is, since we have a pretty good idea that natural immunity is actually stronger than the vaccination, and the science is proving that, I think we should offer people an option. Yes, get the vaccine if you want to, but how about having a blood test where you can get six things measured? And if you pass all six of those things, your immune system is strong enough that you don't need a vaccination and that that would be satisfactory, a certificate of natural immunity to go along with the certificate of vaccination. That would, that's my proposal for the day. What do you think about that? I'm all for it. Show of hands, please. <laughs> I even have the test and I, and I have it ready to go. I went to my, I, I emailed my laboratory and I said, I've got lots of, of uh, employees in different companies that want to prove that they have this natural immunity. And I said, I know our, our big immune test cost, cost over $300. I'd like to lower that so that we can get that as low as possible, so that people can test their vitamin D3, their, their vitamin C, their lymphocytes, their C-reactive protein, which is the inflammation, and the homocysteine, which is your vitamin B6, B12, and folate, and your sugar levels. And I'd, I'd test that with the glycomark test, which is a really, really accurate sugar thing. So if you can pass all six of those, then you've got a certificate of natural immunity. And you can hand it to your employer, you can hand it at the airport, you can hand it at the school, you can hand it anywhere. And it would be more than an, I think the science is impeccable and can be proven beyond a doubt. I mean, and I think that's where we should go because it looks like people are doing this from a political point of view, from a political decision-making process. I don't accept that. I think they have well, to prove I, they've got I, natural immunity. I just got another study in my inbox this morning uh, from Grassroots Health. Uh, this this uh, large study showed, um, proved that there is a 14 times higher risk of severe or critical COVID-19 disease with 
pre-infection vitamin D levels that are below 20 nanograms per milliliter. That's a lot of people, and, 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 that's and, a and lot we're not people. even going to be close to that with our recommendations. You're going to have to be 50 to 90 nanograms per milliliter in order to pass the vitamin D test. And so if you're in the northern hemisphere and you can't get to the sunshine, you better be eating a lot of, of uh, fish uh, that, that have a lot of uh, vitamin D3 in it and taking some supplements in order to make sure when you do the test that your level's in, in that range because that, like you say, that's, that's the, the, the rate that shows the worst consequences. But the best results from clinical trials for the prevention of flu, cancer, and almost every other chronic illness is 50 to 90 nanograms per milliliter. So you take the best scientific evidence for what gives you the most protection against these things, and then you can sort of say, okay, somewhere between 20 and 50, you start to get improvement, but you don't get clinically satisfactory improvement until you get up into the 50 nanograms and higher. So I, I agree with you 100%. Well, I, I, I recall the studies that um, uh, put up at Grassroots Health some time ago, a few years ago, on uh, one on breast cancer, one on colon cancer and prostate cancer, and showing that if your levels are up there, which is why I maintain mine around 70, 60 to 70, that you have a, as much as a 75% reduction in, in risk of those three, the, those three cancers alone. I mean, you don't need a VAERS system to track all of the wonderful benefits of vitamin D. There are no, there are no contraindications. There's no downside. And, you know, I, I just don't want to have vitamin D3 be the only thing. And that's why no, I, I, I added the, the, the important thing about the vitamin C and the sugar is that the white blood cells make up about 40% of your immune system. And if you're, and they are, are, are stronger when they have vitamin C in them. The problem is, if you're not eating enough vitamin C, the, the sugar molecule looks very similar to the vitamin C molecule. And the sugar molecule can actually fill the white blood cells and suppress the immune system by 75%. So to me, you've got to have both of those in this little equation so that you have low sugar and high vitamin C and high vitamin D. Now you're getting to the point where you can say, I think we've proven we're, we're on the right track. And in terms of C-reactive protein, that's a measure for inflammation. And most illnesses have, have some kind of inflammation uh, marker in them. And so if you have other illnesses and your immune system is challenged, your C-reactive protein and, and your lymphocytes, they will, get, they will be lower. And so you want to make sure that the person doesn't have a challenged immune system already. So I would say uh, for almost all of these infectious diseases, whether it's measles, mumps, chickenpox, shingles, definitely not needed. It's a vitamin B deficiency. COVID-19, the seasonal flu, smallpox, polio, hepatitis C. These are all... Uh, infectious illnesses that could probably be put on to the off to the side if every if everybody passed those six those six tests, and I don't think there'd be any any difficulty maintaining a database that proves that this these these immune these immune cells are really working. But I'd love to 
to, to ask you, the amazing thing in, to, to me is that most people think they eat a lot better than they do. And, and I, I ask people sometimes when I'm in my workshops and, and, and I say, well, where do you think these, these immune things come from? I mean, the immune system is made up of macrophages and neutrophils and, and dendritic cells and T cells and B cells and mast cells and interferon and natural killer cells and white blood cells. And my question to the person that I'm asking is, where do you think those things come from? Do you think the tooth fairy just comes and stuffs them in your ear at night? And now all of a sudden you have this big, strong immune system. They don't know where these, these immune system uh, are, uh, um, elements come from. And because none of, it, none of the scientists on T, Fauci, or none of them have said anything about the immune system for two years, that was a perfect opportunity to educate people and let them know that they're not eating a diet that's strong enough to make that immune system strong. That to me has been the number one downfall of all the information through the media and, and the medical community in the past two years. They've never mentioned the immune system hardly once. Okay, I have a question for you. Since uh, you know, there's always talk about the cost of healthcare and how far, and quality of healthcare, how far down the list of industrialized nations that the US is, and being the number one by, with, by a bullet country for spending money on healthcare, how much money do you think the government would save if, I mean, we've got Medicaid and Medicare, but everybody wants uh, some kind of, uh, not everybody, I'm, I, let me rephrase that. Most people want a better healthcare system. How much money do you think the government would save if they put together an age-related um, supplement pack? So vitamin D, zinc, magnesium, be like a, like five basic supplements. How much money would the government save in healthcare costs each year? <laughs> well, the estimates have been uh, uh, somewhere around forty percent is is the opportunity money uh, opportunity benefit of getting people to eat better and take a few important supplements, and so. I, I, I would say we could, instead of being at the top of the list, spending about 50% more than the average industrialized country, we could be back down to normal, <laughs> so to speak. And I think it has to be food and, and some supplements because, yes. remember, we're, we're already at a point where 70% of the population has a chronic illness. And, and so when you look at the, at the nutritional studies, You'll see Stanford University has one, North Carolina University has one, the National Cancer Institute has one. They studied like 16,000 people. They couldn't find one person with a truly healthy diet, and they were aged 2 to 80. And, and they were deficient, most of these people, in 11 out of 14 categories. And so this whole thing about people are eating well enough this is the main reason that we're having a COVID crisis in the United States with more deaths and more cases per 100,000 than any other place in the world. Because, you know, we don't eat any better than the, the aforementioned Scottish people do in a lot of cases. So I would say we need foods. And this is where, this is the thing that I've taught in my COVID workshops. Here's all these different immune system functions, 
carried on by T cells and B cells and killer cells, natural killer cells. But you need foods to make those. And so you need foods with vitamin C, vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin E, selenium, zinc, uh, astragalus, olive leaf extract, uh, garlic, alpha-lipoic acid, B vitamins, turmeric, kale, uh, blueberries, coconut oil, ginger, echinacea, or parsley, blue clover, pomegranate. These are all foods that contribute to the making of these uh, immune system elements. So the more you eat of these foods, the stronger your immune system will be and the higher your score will be. If you want to eat French fries and, and hamburgers and milkshakes and, and all that other stuff, then you're never going to pass that test with those six. And so you're going to have your hand up saying, I want the vaccination, please, because I'm a lazy sod and I don't want to do all that changing in my diet. I like my taste buds just the way they are. But we got to the, to the 70% chronic illness thing just by that same attitude. So if we don't change it, John, it's now been shown through a, 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 a Economist magazine uh, article that 100% of the people, 100% uh, of the GNP in this country will be spent on health care by the year 2065. Well, I saw a fantastic uh, show on um, how they're educating kids in... I, I believe it was Sweden and uh, in the schools and they actually teach the kids the, so they get they get their lunch in the school but the kids actually are part of the whole thing they they they, they learn to grow the food they learn to pr how to process the food they learn how to cook the food they learn all about healthy food and healthy diets and if you start them young then you don't have to try and convince them when they're in their 40s and 50s and 60s that hey you got to look at your diet because they've been doing it all their life. Well, you know what? There's a friend of mine uh, uh, went to uh, Cornell, and her name is Dr. Antonia Demas. And Dr. Demas has done this with about 200 schools across the country at about the sixth grade level. And it's just exactly what you've been talking about. And do you know that in the schools where they have done this program, and they have done blood tests on the children that are actually following the guidelines of the foods that, that they study and that they recommend. Their blood work comes up exemplary, and they, they, they just do so well in their performance. It's unbelievable. Their whole behavior changes, their performance in the school changes, their blood tests change. And I'm just wondering, why can't we get that program, which is already here, by the way, the physicians uh, group that she's working with um, has a, a test called the Golden Carrot Award. And you can go into any school in the country and do the, carrot, the Golden Carrot Test Evaluation to find out how good or bad your school lunch program is. And then they will come in and put in this alternative education program. And then they take the foods that the kids develop and they put them on, on, the, on the line for, for kids to eat. And eventually, all the kids, or the majority of the kids, go back to eating those foods because they were developed by their peers. And it, it's, a, it's a solution that's it's screaming uh, to, to be uh, applied everywhere in, in, in the country. So Sweden has it, but you know what? We've had it for 15 years here with Antonia Demas' program. But it's just 
getting it, spreading it, that's the challenge. Well, that's that's where we're trying to raise some money to get some of these healthcare things solved. Um, I've got two books I want to recommend to people before we get too far down the line. One is called Vaccines, uh, Autoimmunity, and the Changing Nature of Childhood Illness by Thomas Cohen, C-O-H-A-N-M-D. And the other one is the one that I mentioned before from Dr. Rona, Natural Alternatives to Vaccination from uh, Books Alive. And that's Dr. Rona, R-O-N-A. And in, in his book, he also mentions things that you should avoid. And so I've given you the list of all the good things that help to produce those key elements in the immune system. But here's the things that he says, avoid like the plague, sugar, alcohol, dairy products, prescription medications, saturated fats, trans fats, processed foods, pesticides, and other toxins, as many as you can get rid of in your life, red meat, shellfish, microwave cooking, and even coffee. He's not a big fan of coffee. He likes green tea instead. So there's the foods to avoid. The previous list was all the things with all the foods in it that produce uh, the kind of uh, immune system elements that we all need. So we've only done this in, what, 25 minutes? We've actually covered some of the things that can be done in individual schools with the Golden Carrot Award um, and with the diet and, and, uh, and, and changes in nutritional status for children and adults. We, 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 we've offered a program up there of testing that can verify natural immunity is just as strong and better than, than vaccination immunity. So... I, I don't know. I mean, what, what would you like to add as a kind of a, a final um, talking point for people when they have to talk about this to people? Because we, we're going to be having to overcome a lot of resistance because, as you said at the beginning, they think vaccines are magical somehow, and they are just not. Yeah, it's 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 a, such a difficult challenge. I just if uh, we just need people to be uh, become uh, better critical thinkers that they need to question what they're seeing in the media, what they're hearing in the news, and what they're being told. They need to question that. And uh, I'm I'm sure a lot of people have uh, their gut tells them that this, uh, but they don't overcome that and. And, and ask questions. They they tend to go along with it. So, well, that's yeah. why I gave them the books. Um, you know, uh, anybody that's interested can yeah. get those books. They can go back and re-listen to our program and get the list of things that we recommended. But one of the things that I'd like to say before we sign off is that uh, for those people who have to get vaccinated, one of the things you have to remember, I think, is that these uh, vaccines um, they need a carrying agent. They need something that can transport the vaccine into the cells. And so one of the things that, they, some of the things that they use, they, they use a derivative of, of mercury. And now they're starting to stop do that as much as they used to, but they still do it in some vaccinations. And also they, they have aluminum that is a transport agent and formaldehyde, which is a, a toxin, a cancer causing toxin. And so these are things that if you do get vaccinated, and, and I tell mothers and, and fathers that spread the vaccinations out 
over uh, two, two or three years and do one every three weeks instead of all at once. I don't think that anybody's immune system is designed to handle 17 vaccinations in a three or four month period. And so that's the first thing. And then, are, are, go, can, ahead, can go I, ahead. I think that's a fa that's fantastic. I, I'm glad you're bringing that up. That is so important. Um, I have one question about that. Is there somewhere in there, is there a like a, a heavy metal type of detox program for kids that they could also yes. do to help? That, that was my next, the next step in this is that the detox for the mercury uh, item or is, is all the green, uh, the, the, the greens from the sea the chlorella, the spirulina, the blue-green algae, uh, they all have this capability to take this mercury out of, out of the body. And from an aluminum point of view, silica is one of the things that can do that. And there's certain waters like Volvic and Fiji that have extremely high levels. And so I just tell them, you need to detox for about three months. There's actually videos online for these things, by the way. This came from the California mothers many, many years ago when they were trying to find a way to counter this, this mandatory vaccination program in their state. And so they're the ones that did the scientific research and came up with these ideas. So that's the thing that I've recommended for my grandchildren in Canada, that they use this detoxification program and they spread the, vac the vaccinations out over a longer period of time. And I, th I think it's working from the standpoint, at least you're getting rid of those contaminants that are the transport agents. And so I think that was, it's really important to know that. And, and then again, um, I'm telling all my grandkids to eat vegetables at every meal and uh, to, to drink a green powder with, with the equivalent of seven to nine helpings of fruits and vegetables without the sugar in it. And, and to make sure that you're eating as healthy as you can uh, with every meal. And then I tell the parents, look, keep, keep giving the kids a little bit of vitamin C and D along with uh, some of the other things, but keep in your refrigerator somewhere C and D and A and E and quercetin and zinc and another thing called olive leaf complex. And uh, there's an there's a antiviral thing called acute cold and flu. And then there's another antiviral called lorosidin. These are things that should be in everybody's kitchen somewhere. So that at the first signs of the flu, whether you've been vaccinated or not vaccinated, you start to take these antivirals every hour. You take one of them every hour. And within a day or two, the symptoms are gone. If you can catch this flu soon enough, this is a treatable flu. And so this is the problem that I have with the whole vaccination thing. If you know how to prevent it through good diet and supplements, and you know how to treat it with the right things, then why do you need a vaccination? It's totally preventable and treatable, except for those people who are very, very, very ill. And sometimes you have to be careful about that because now there's a new study showing that people with cancer who are getting the COVID vaccination are dying quicker than they would have if they didn't have the vaccination. And this is not a good thing. So sometimes it exacerbates your chronic illness. Sometimes it might help to prevent it. And we, we haven't done those long-term studies. And you said that earlier. We need better studies. So I would push for that. Yeah, I agree. I, I had COVID two and a half, three weeks ago. I did that. I tripled my vitamin D to 15,000 IUs. Um, I took my C three times a day my uh, make, uh, zinc uh, twice a day, my quercetin, my NAC, and I was only down for a day. Um, 
Um, although I did have a cough that, that stretched out for about a week to 10 days. But uh, the nebulizer really helped out. I have a nebulizer because I used to be a, a serious asthmatic. But I, I cured my asthma once I got off all the medications. Wow. Well, I think I think that's a topic for another for another show because that that we can definitely go after that one as well. So anyway, I think we covered it. I had two pages of notes that I had to cover, and I, I think I think we did it. And uh, I'd like to take a few minutes to thank our sponsors, uh, Daniel Hansen from DHA Labs, and they're the company that's helping me to develop all these advanced tests that I have for preventing illness five to 10 years before it happens through other tests. And so we're getting some advanced testing going on here. So DHA Labs in Chicago, uh, I, I, I think we're gonna be using a lot of their tests in the future. And they're the ones that are developing this mini, this mini immune test with just the six items on it. I uh, love that idea. Yeah, thanks. That was, I mean, I just thought we've gotta have, we've gotta have something that's more affordable. The other uh, one of our sponsors is Don Baker. He's he's the CEO of Paddock Pools in Rock Hill, South Carolina. And they have a vacuum extractor that actually takes the chlorine gas off the surface of the pool, takes about 95% of it off, makes the air that you're breathing while you're swimming really filled with oxygen. And if you have that chlorine gas in there, you can have reductions of your zinc levels reductions in your zinc levels leads to um, possibly reductions in vitamin D3 and creation of cancer. So um, if you have a pool project, you want to talk to Paddock Pools in Rock Hill, South Carolina. And then there's Mark Wolf. Uh, he's with uh, Southern Trust Financial uh, Planning in Sarasota, Florida. And I've been working with him for about 20 years. And um, we do a lot of health education for his clients. And I don't know whether, we've never done an actuarial study, but I'm gonna bet you that the clients of his that pay attention to the stuff we've been doing for the last 15 or 20 years, they're probably living three to five years longer as a result. And they were old to start with. <laughs> they were probably in their 60s to start with. But they're, they're, they're doing the things that are necessary to make sure that their body's healthy so that they can live a healthy life with their grandchildren and their friends and their neighbors and, and everybody in their life. And so I think this is where these wellness companies, they get it half right. Yeah, okay, you can make more money for your clients, uh, even the small investors. But you know what? If you don't have your health, you don't have anything. And so I, I really applaud him for that. And the fourth uh, sponsor is MPB Health. MPB Health is a medical cost sharing company. And medical cost sharing companies go at this a little differently because they're really concentrating on wellness. And they're really trying to get people to pay attention because they don't pay ahead of time like insurance companies do. You, when you pay your premiums for a health insurance company, you're paying in advance thinking, okay, we're probably gonna get sick, so we better pay a lot. What they say is, we'll pay the minimum. And this ends up being like 30 to 50% less than somebody that's just paying for health insurance. But if you occur costs and, and you're a member of this group, then those costs are gonna be spread around by everyone. So everybody in the group kind of says, well, I don't wanna be the one spreading around the cost, and I don't want anybody else doing it. So it's kind of like they get a collective buy-in where they're gonna pay more attention to their health. So MPB Health, you can go online, look at their video, call one of their reps, and find out all about it. 
I, I think it's a great option for small to medium-sized companies and for individuals. So those are our sponsors. We really thank them for making the show possible. John, uh, thanks again for a great program. I really appreciate you uh, joining us today. Thank you. Enjoyed it. Okay. Yep. Talk to you later, everybody. Thanks for joining Healing Trends with Dr. Benz. Bye for now. Bye.